New guy. Man, hard to find good help these days. If you are new, that's Pastor Raul Perez, our associate pastor. Uh, Our other associate pastor, Lydia Choi, is out running around. She's leading the baptism service. We're super grateful for just uh, our pastoral team, our staff team. My name's Scott. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, Welcome to Bethany. If you're visiting uh, this isn't your, your normal jam. We're grateful to have you here. We're in the middle of a sermon series about the life of Jesus called The Way of Christ. And today, what Raul just read was a message coming to you about the nature of life that feels very stormy, this thing of storms. Um, I'm, a, I'm a fisherman. I love the ocean. I love the water. So I feel, I feel like I tell storm stories, water stories, but... Uh, the, the invitation here in today's text is for you to find your life in the Word of God, for you to place yourself, what would it have been like to be at the oars all night in a boat, and for you to draw some connections from where your life feels a bit stormy right now. My message title today is called Strength in Storms, Strength in Storms, and I'd love to pray and then we'll dive in. So Lord, thanks so much for the chance to just gather together as a people. We don't take it for granted. Uh, We don't at all take it for granted. Our hearts go out to what's happening uh, in Ukraine right now. God, Christians around the world uh, who are also under persecution. Uh, We just know what it was like even here to not be able to gather for so long. And so we're grateful to just see people and be together. We're grateful for those that are watching online. We know there's hundreds that are watching online that just aren't able to get in today. So God, may they feel like they're part of this experience as well. We're grateful for the sounds of children. We're grateful for visitors. Our hearts are open, God. But would you meet us here today and teach us something about the storm? There's something today, God, for everybody listening that you want to speak truth and power to. You are a God who walks on water, Lord Jesus, and you have strength available for every storm we face. So Lord, open us up. We want to hear from you now. And all God's people said, amen. Well, um, greetings again. Strength in Storms is our title. The text is Mark 6. The story that Raul just read is a, a very incredible story about Jesus walking on water, calming a storm. Um, recently, we just came through a sermon series on the book of Job. Job being in the Old Testament, kind of the this, this stories told about God before Jesus entered the scene. Job, one of the oldest stories in the Bible. And in the story of Job, which we just went through as a community, it really taught a lot about grief and loss. It was a man who lost everything. We talked about that being a storm. And at the end of the book, God himself speaks to Job through a physical storm, like a literal storm. And so when I was preparing for that sermon, God kind of opened me up to um, just this idea of people who professionally chase storms. I heard about storm chasers. I was intrigued by this, and I started researching it, and God said, don't tell that then in Job series, save it for Mark. And um, the reality is... um, there are people who are storm chasers. This is a, especially in the Midwest and in the South, this is more common than here in the Pacific Northwest. But the reality is that there's a difference between storm spotters and storm chasers. I didn't know any of this until recently. I was very intrigued. I want to know more. There's something about storms that are fascinating to me. So storm spotters and storm chasers, there's a big distinction. Storm spotters, anyone can do this. A storm spotter is um, basically somebody that just has been trained for about a two-hour increment, somebody that 
often will stay close to home, and they, they often have a tether to a local weather office. You need just two hours of training, 18 years older, and uh, you need to have either a cell phone or a radio to like communicate what's happening with the storm. And the uh, National Weather Society builds reports off storm spotters. So they have, a, they have a function. They kind of stay close to home, and they just observe at a safe distance. But storm chasers... These are the crazy ones. Some of you have probably seen shows in them on, on Discovery or whatnot. They're a different category of um, people that enter the storms. They deliberately pursue severe weather phenomenon. Many carry advanced training or degrees. They're weather scientists. Some are even meteorologists. Because getting close to the storms helps them collect information they could never get unless they were proximate to the storm's power. So storm chasers need to get close because for them, the proximity is going to add something to their learning from the experiences, the depth. They can never receive it out of the book. They have to get into the storm. They enter the storm in order to learn what's really going on. This fascinates me. I've never done this. Part of me is like, if I lived in part of the country, I might want to be a storm chaser, not just a storm spotter. Because there's something in the epic story about the hero that enters the storm, the fictional epic story, the Luke Skywalkers, the Bilbo Baggins, the historical epic story, the Ernest Shackletons, the Joan of Arc, the Martin Luther Kings, the the great ones never stay at a distance. The great ones enter the storm. And that's a segue to today's text because as we're thinking about this Mark passage that Raul just read for us, There's a very practical application for many of us in this room right now that we need somebody to calm a storm in our life. And there are storms of every form and fashion. There are storms, Raul just named it, storms in Ukraine, storms here in our country of racial injustice, storms in this room maybe of health challenges, certainly storms of grief and loss, storms of ongoing physical pain, Many storms of relationship distress. Storms are are everywhere. And we can't just watch at a distance when people we love are going through storms. We're, We're called into the storm with people we love. Because storms are kind of the a metaphor for the worst parts of life. They they solicit our need for help and a recognition we can't go it alone. We can't just, you know, storm spot, yeah, that looks hard, you know, I'll be over here. No, no, we're called to enter into storms. And some of you are like, man, I would have never chosen the storm I'm in right now. I've got a, a good word for you today. God's got something for you in the storm. And this passage today is super incredible because this good news narrative that it's only in the storm that we're gonna find the redemption and the healing that Jesus wants to do in our lives. It's not callous. Jesus doesn't play games with us, but there's an opportunity. Because in today's Bible reading from Mark, there's this true story of Jesus entering the storm in order to save the people he loves, but also to grow the people he loves. And I think that's a really helpful distinctive that in the boat, they couldn't see it. But Jesus, from his vantage point, later entering the boat himself, he's saying, I'm proximate to you. And there's something only the storm can give you. There's a depth of maturity. There's, there's something you're going to learn through the storm. Jesus saying, I want you to trust me. And this story in the text, it has 
just this proclamation of the amazing power of Jesus Christ. Somebody in this room right now, somebody watching at home, needs to be reminded that Jesus is still powerful. There's somebody right now that's like, I need that to be true, Scott, because I'm clinging on to a shred of my faith, a shred of my marriage, a shred of my hope. We are shredded by storms, but somebody needs to be reminded that Jesus is the powerful Messiah. That's what this message is about today. And there's something from Mark 6 that has us just reflecting on Jesus' nature. Jesus sins in today's text. Jesus comes. Jesus enters. Jesus changes. But all of it undergirded by this promise of hope. That you don't, you're not alone in the journey. You're not. And you're not sent into a storm to die or to be tested to maybe end up on your own on a far shore. Jesus wants to enter your storm in order by his presence to heal you and redeem you. There's a piece of hope in today's text. So let's kind of unpack, kind of chronologically will be my framework for the, for the sermon today. But just what happens in these 11 simple verses. First of all, Jesus sends Starting in verse 45, immediately, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. We're entering in the middle of a story. Immediately was one of uh, Mark, the writer of this gospel. It's one of his favorite words in the gospel. He just says it over and over. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples. He compelled them to get into the boat and go on ahead of them to Bethsaida. That destination's important. That's not where they're going to end up. While he dismissed the crowd, he's just fed 5,000 people. 5,000, probably men was how it was counted 2,000 years ago. So scholars say about 12 to 15,000 people likely were have fed. So Jesus dismisses the crowd. He sends his disciples. Verse 46, after leaving them, Jesus went to the mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat with the disciples was in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. It was in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Now, I've been, I've actually had the privilege with my older brother to, I've been to the Sea of Galilee. So this idea of being able to see across the sea, the Sea of Galilee, how many of you have been there? It's just big enough, you can see the far shore. So this idea, maybe in our mind's eyes, if you're thinking about seeing across the Pacific, almost seems like a stretch. But the Sea of Galilee, Jesus from the hill, he's seeing his disciples who have been straining against the oar. Gospel of John says it was fourth watch. It's almost 10 hours later, and Jesus is watching them. Now, important to say this, Jesus doesn't cause the storm, but Jesus uh, sends his guys into the night, it's the end of the day, because he wants them to understand that there's something in the night, there's something in their, their challenges that he'll use to grow them. Jesus knew his ministry on earth was going to be short, so he knew that he needed to equip his disciples for the challenges he's going to face. So maybe, just maybe, Jesus didn't send the storm in order to... Maybe kill them. No, no. Jesus didn't try to rile up a storm, but he sent his disciples knowing what was going to happen, but knowing that they would be okay. Knowing that through the storm, there was going to be a greater gift to them. Now, this is helpful for us because sometimes when we're in storms, emotional, spiritual, physical storms, we wonder, did you just send me out here to die, God? Did you just sit like, I feel like I'm going to not make it. But Jesus knows the storms can make us stronger, can make us better. There's one of my favorite writers, Madeline Lingle, she says this, we're going to have to be braver than we think we can be because God is calling us to be more than we are. 
The Christian journey is one of perseverance, and we're going to need courage. We're going to need, man, there's a, there's a war in Europe. There's hardships all around us. Two years of COVID, ah, oh, Lord, it's a storm. And God's just encouraging us. This storm won't break you if you hold on to your faith. If you put your hope in me, the storm can make you bitter or it can make you better. Choose one. I've got something for you that only the storm will reveal. Because the storm will take you to the end of yourselves. The storm will take you to a place where maybe, just maybe, you don't have it all together. We come to church not when we have it all together. We come to church because we need it to be true. God, be true again. I'm in the storm. Life is hard. And one of the great privileges of being the pastor here is I know some, though not many, but some of the storms that people in this room are facing. And you are incredibly brave. You are like the disciples that have been at the oars all night. And the invitation from this story is not to give up hope, to not believe the lie of the devil that somehow Jesus is playing games with you, but to believe that the storm has something for you. Only the storm reveals at the end of yourself where faith begins. Because if we needed, if we, if we could do it all on our own, we wouldn't need Jesus. If I could just be this fully actualized, perfect human being, perfect husband, father, it's like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna do it on my, it's like, no, I'm driven to Christ because of my brokenness. Because I need Jesus' help to be more than I could ever be on my own. It is called sin. And Jesus came in order to fill us with the free gift of grace that we'd be invited to this gift of new life. It's a gift. And the storm will often reveal the gift. There's a story from history. John Wesley, who went on to be one of the leader in Western Christianity, before all that, it took a storm to really make his faith real. So he was religious when he was in Oxford. He and his brother actually started, uh, they called it the Holy Club at Oxford. Rules, regulations, do good things. It's fine. They came to America to, to te- from England to, to teach people about the Holy Club and the rules of faith. It was fine. And then a storm besieged their ship as they were crossing from England to you know, pre-America. This is 1735 to the colonies. And as their way to the New, War, uh, New World, the, a storm revealed to Wesley that though he had religious rules, he didn't have real faith. It was a storm that taught him. So the storm starts just raging across the Atlantic. And there's a group of English uh, kind of, you know, people coming to New World, these raised, you know, Anglicans and whatnot. Nothing wrong, a lot of Christ-fearing Anglicans. This story is not calling out Anglicans, but a lot of the Church of England people, they were, they were freaking out. Someone even handed him the baby and said, will you baptize the baby? Because I don't know if we're going to make it. The storm, they were, there was no hope. There was no confidence. It was like, we're dying out here. And then Wesley looked, John Wesley looked, and there's a different group of Christians on board. These were German uh, Moravians, like kind of the early Protestants that actually came from the Czech Republic. And they were, same storm, these, these German Protestant Moravian kind of, you know, almost like hippie type that believed Christianity was a way of the heart, not the way of the head. They sat there singing praise songs. And Wesley had just shook him. The storm passed, and he grabbed one of the German leaders. Now, keep in mind, Wesley was the chaplain of the boat. He had authority. He had rules. 
you'd done all the good things, but his faith in the storm didn't sustain him. It was like just the rule book. He wanted the heart change. So he went looking for the German Moravians and he said, how did you guys have that hope? And they asked him, well, do you have faith in God or not? And Wesley went on to say, he wrote in his journal, that that was one of the most powerful nights of his life. Wesley said, I fear that my words of being a Christian were just vain words. And he went on to write this, this was the most glorious day that I have yet seen. See, for Wesley, and this is where I might be talking to somebody in the room, the storm became a starting point. The storm became a place for him to realize real faith in God knows that when the storm roils, I'm going to be okay. And this feels very personal to me because I like when things are managed well. I like when there's not storms. And when the storms start to rise and my anxiety starts to increase, and now I need God to be that hope, be that peace, it places me in a place of dependency and it's uncomfortable. And that's where the storm is a starting place. Because it draws real faith. So Jesus, Jesus sends his, his followers out in this boat at night. And then the second part of the story here is that Jesus comes. This is starting in verse 48b. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the water. He was about to pass by them, says Mark. But then they saw him walking on the lake. They thought he was a ghost. They cried out. They saw him, they were terrified. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Now, what is going on in this story? There's some pieces here I really need to unpack. It's shortly before dawn, as I mentioned. It's eight to 10 hours. So the disciples have been ministering all day during the feeding of the 5,000. Those of you that are leaders, though you're ministry, you're like, okay, what would that have felt like at the end of the, of the day to be sent into an all-night rowing exercise? It's almost like Jesus doing some SEAL training. You know, like SEALs do that. They like send you out for like the 24-hour unit because they know it's at the end of the training that it's really going to count, like your real character. And so they're out there, and Jesus has seen them, and now he comes walking on the water. Now, historically, like when the church would kind of go through different seasons of like the enlightenment and different things, they would try to unpack this somehow, that maybe Jesus didn't actually walk on the water. It was a peninsula. It was a wind blow. Like, you just, you have to deal with what the Bible story says here. Jesus walks on water. He's just fed 5,000 people, but for some, that's not enough. And in the next week's message, uh, it's going to be from Pastor Liz. She's going to be asking from Mark 8, where Jesus turns to his disciples and say, who do you really say I am? Because I've, I've fed people out of nothing, and I've walked on water, but I want you to come to a place of personal belief. So Jesus, is, he's walking on the water. He's limitless. He's not bounded by the laws of the natural world. And his disciples are freaking out. Earlier in the Gospel of Mark, there had been a different storm. In that telling of that storm, Jesus was in the boat with them. They were also freaking out. Jesus calmed that storm. He was with them the whole time. And here, a second storm, they're falling into their same habits of feeling like they're going to die, of seeing Jesus come at them and not even seeing it as an invitation of faith. They're just like, it's a ghost. They're so scared. I have empathy. I have compassion. I've never seen anyone walk on water. I'm sure it would be very frightening. And it says there that Jesus is getting ready to pass them by. 
That seems weird. Jesus would send them out in order to avoid them? No, that's where our English breaks down. Because in, in ancient Israel, that's how God would talk about passing them by, was when God wanted to reveal himself to somebody. Because in, in the story from the Old Testament, there's a story from 1 Kings where Elijah, same thing, has seen God do mighty things, and then persecution comes, a.k.a. a storm, and then he says, God, where are you? I want to see you. And God tells Elijah in 1 Kings, go up on the mountain, and I'll pass you by. So this passing by language was not to be avoided. It was to be experienced. Jesus wanted his friends to know him. Jesus wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. He doesn't want you just to think about him. He wants you to know him. He wants you to experience him. He wants you to have an experience of your life that is a way of the heart, that you would know God's power, not just that he walked on the water 2,000 years ago, but he's a God that can calm storms in your life. This is a very personal story. Jesus comes to them walking on water in order to display his great love of them. And that's really as Christians, when we talk about the love of the cross, why some of us even wear crosses, is to just declare Jesus is a God who comes. He's a God who comes to earth. He gave his life for us, that we would be not judged, but adopted into his family. For people to say, I want to have a faith like that. I want to be in the family of God. That's the way of the cross. That's this Jesus who walks on water. And they don't get it. Uh, they freak out, and then Jesus preaches this three-sentence sermon. I think we could all agree, sermons could be shorter, right? Jesus nails this one, just three sentences. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. The the Greek uh, rendition mark is simply these five words, courage, uh, I am, no fear. Courage, I am, no fear. And those of you that have been around church for a while know, oh, I am. That's how God described himself to Moses in the Old Testament, the burning bush. Courage, I am, no fear. Or one thinker I was reading this week said it like this, look up, cheer up, calm down. It'd be a good tattoo, right? Look up, cheer up, calm down. We think storm's going to kill us. Jesus sees you're going to be okay. And there's something, remember storms make you bitter or make you better. There's something that only the storm can teach you because it moves you to the end of yourself where faith can begin. This is the invitation of this passage. This is this big invitation. Well, we lose perspective, I do, in storms. There was a time many years ago uh, when I worked in Canada where we worked on the oceans. I was pretty, pretty comfortable reading the sky, reading the sea, and we had very unusually, we, when we worked, we worked every day for like 100 days straight. And I mean worked, like 18, 19 hours a day. But we had a three-day break in the middle of the summer. This was unusual. This never happened. Never. But there was a group was supposed to come. They canceled. The staff is on site. And we have a, we have a break. We're on this island. We, we, want, we want to, so three of the guys and myself were like, let's go on an adventure. 
Let's enter into a great adventure. So we got kayaks, we, you know, set up. And then the day we, we were going to set out, this huge storm blew through the inside passage. We were so discouraged because we're like, we only have this little window. Why do storms come? We were, you know, it's like we did not want to stay on the island. We wanted to be part of something awesome. We wanted adventure. And from the, from the land, we could see, though the storm was blowing, we were going to probably be okay. We had an ocean crossing, but there's some islands where we wanted to camp to. We thought we would be fine. We packed a radio. We set out in the kayaks. But if any of you know from sea kayaks, you're right down in it, right? Like, even lower. But if I sit down on the stage, I might not be able to stand up again. So when you're in a sea kayak, even the smallest wave feels like it's going to sink you because you lose perspective, when you're, in, when, you're in the, when you're in a sea kayak and you're, man, every wave, and now the waves start to break over you a little bit, and now the water's coming into your spray skirt, and now you're midway across, and now we realize that we have a VHF radio, there's no boats anywhere on the sound because this is a pretty significant gale force wind, and we feel like we're going to die. We end up, we didn't die. <laughs> no way, I never saw that coming. And on the far side... We had this incredible experience of adventure and fellowship, of recreation in a very unusual way. We would, have, we would have not gotten any of that had we given up, had we turned back. So what in the world are we talking about right now, Scott? When you go through things, you often are down in it, like a sea kayak in the sea. You can't see the horizon. You can't see the end of the storm. Don't give up. Take courage. God is with you. Don't be afraid. So many relationships need to hear this word right now. So many people's connection to the local church need to hear this right now. So many people's hearts that are just so discouraged need to hear this right now. Jesus is speaking. I'm not just the God that sends you into hard things. I'm the God that comes for you. You're going to be okay. We're going to make it together. And that's what Jesus does. He he enters the experience. Not only does he send Jesus, uh, send his disciples, not only does he walk through the same store they've gone through, not only does he give a, a sermon while the storm is still brewing and it's almost done, then verse 51 says he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down immediately. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they'd crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. Remember, they headed for Bethsaida. They landed at Gennesaret and they anchored there. I feel like we've said this, but I just really need you to hear it. Jesus doesn't stay at a distance when the people he loves struggle. He comes to them. He's available to them. And he doesn't even just give this sermon and be like, all right, I'll be on the side. I'll have a fire waiting for you. He enters the boat with them. And once he enters, the storm calms. The only place that we'll feel the stilling of our storm is in our closeness, our proximate to Jesus. He enters their experience, and the storm dies down. It's an incredible story about the power of this God, not just what he did 2,000 years ago, but Jesus wants to enter your story, your storm, enter your, your boat, live life with you as you're figuring out the difficulties of the things you're navigating right now. This is the word of hope. This is the word of encouragement. 
This is the word of invitation. Jesus entered their boat and everything changed. And then it says they, they anchored. There's a certain peace when you've been at sea through a storm when you finally get to set anchor because you don't set anchor until you know you're going to be okay. And you know that anchor will hold. You know you have good moorage for the night and now you can rest. And the fact they're at Gennesaret, not Bethsaida, to me is super interesting because often many of you in the room might feel like I'm heading for something super different than what I set out for. And God's like, I'm going to be in that too. I, I know you set it out for here with this relationship or that job or that career or that calling. God's like, I'm taking you to Gennesaret, but I'm going to be about your transformation at Gennesaret. I never intended to be at Gennesaret. I wanted to go to Bethsaida. I never wanted them to get sick. I never wanted them to pass on. I never wanted that job to end. I never, Jesus is saying, I'll meet you in Gennesaret. I'll meet you there. We don't know what's going on in the storm. We don't even sometimes know where we're landing. And Jesus is like, trust me. Invite me into your story. Invite me into the boat. Let me still the storms with you. And where we land together, I'll be good to you. The story ends that people came from far and wide and Jesus healed them. Because God in Jesus Christ is a powerful God who longs not just to walk on the water as a display of his majesty, but to heal the aches and pains and the ills of the hearts of people who want to follow him. So here's where I want to invite you to think. What feels like a storm in your story right now? What's the, what feels just super hard and challenging? Or who's somebody that you love that's just, things feel real stormy for them right now? Two places of invitation. If you're thinking right now about somebody you love that's going through an incredible storm, don't just be a storm spotter. Don't just stay at a distance, pass them a pamphlet, and go back to your normal life. Chase the storm with them. Enter their story. Chase the storm. Be like Jesus to them because they need your hope and your life. It's no mystery to me that God, when he left, he left the spirit within us to be Jesus to people. So church, you have a massive mission right now. Be storm chasers. Enter the storm. I mean, the narrative around Christianity is so twisted right now. Just last week, Putin to 200,000 people in Moscow, he quoted Jesus for why they attacked Ukraine. No greater love is this to lay down your life. And it just breaks my heart. We've got to redeem who Jesus is to a generation that's lost its way. It's, it's a love. The Father sent the Son for love. So go chase the storm. And others in this room like, no, Scott, I'm in the boat right now. And the water's coming hard. I don't know who you are, but I know you're here. And I got a lot of love for you because I've been there myself. Invite Jesus into your boat. You don't have to be at the oars alone. Jesus is the only place of power and peace that can change your life with just an invitation. Jesus, I want to follow you. I'm tired of doing this my own. Boom, he's in your boat. I want to right now call the band back. We're going to have a time of prayer. We're going to continue to worship. You can tell this feels pretty personal to me just because I feel like this message. God, 
encouraged me even this morning of just the implications for us as a faith community. So I'd love you even right now to bow your heads and pray with me. And I, I'm going to be praying for two groups of people right now. There are people that as you pray, and Holy Father, we want to enter into this time of prayer right now and say thank you for meeting us in this place. God, I want to pray for the storm chasers, that right now that there is a person in their life who is struggling, that has given up faith, that doesn't know you at all, that their relationship is struggling, they've suffered a a great deal during COVID, they're lonely, they're isolated alone. God, would you commission people right now in this room that are bearing the burdens of someone they love to go and chase the storm with them? to be your presence, to be your people of hope. God, may we be a church of storm chasers. And God, there are others in this room that don't yet know your love, that don't yet know that you've got good news for them too. And so Lord, for those that are just struggling to connect with you, would you be their Lord and their Messiah? Would they understand this message was for them this morning, that you're not just a God who sends them into storms, but you'll come to them, you'll enter the boat with them, you'll, you'll bring peace. And if that's you this morning, we're gonna just take a moment and just celebrate what is happening in your life right now because this is the gospel, friends. And while our heads are bowed and our hearts are stilled, If that's you this morning and you want to start again or start in a new way following Jesus, invite him into your boat. We're gonna just wob heads about, we're just gonna we're just gonna celebrate that because that's a very big deal. And if you're ready to take that commitment of faith or make a new commitment or a recommitment to say, today I want to stop at the oars of my life and Jesus invites you into my boat and would you still the storms? I would love you just to just between you and I, just to look up and raise your hand so you'll know and I'll know what God is doing in your life while the rest of us pray. If that's happening right now and you're ready to give your life over to Jesus, to invite him into your boat and call yourself a follower of Jesus, would you just raise your hand? Would you just lift a sign to say, I see you and the angels see you? Praise God. And that's so amazing right now there are people in this room that are saying yes I'm recommitting Jesus get my boat I need you thank you for raising your hand those people God's doing a new thing we celebrate that so Jesus thank you that you're a God of power and peace thank you for those that want to celebrate today entering into faith in a new way may have given up hope or needed you just to do something powerful. We celebrate that today. Oh God, we love you. Thank you for sharing your love and your power with us. That you're a storm chasing God. We say thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.